Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhage. How are you today? Uh, so glad that you could tune in again. And this week I have a, I'm going to see another friend. I seem to be inviting all my friends, which is not a bad thing to share some time with me at, um, on Authentic Living with Roxanne. So um, Kanchen Prinsloo, um, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story because I think this is interesting and Kanchen's going to giggle and she's the you're the ultimate personality that just shares her wisdom in a quiet way. So we were talking earlier, getting prepped. And what I was doing is I was mispronouncing her name, not intentionally, but uh, another colleague, uh, Jessica Potts says, you know, Roxanne, you, you're, you're saying it wrong. And I hadn't thought about it. And I think I've been a little bit haphazard sometimes with names. So Kanchen was very awesome in that she said to remember the word luncheon which that rhymes with conscience. So conscience, tell, tell us what, what, what to talk a little bit about names and kind of, that's a different way to get into it, right? Cause we're today we're talking, we're talking about women of culture. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and I know uh, my, that's my nationality, but my background is Middle Eastern and Indian and your nationality obviously is Canadian now that mine is as well. Um, but your your ethnicity is also South Asian. Is that the correct yeah, term? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. I didn't grow up calling it South Asian, but yeah, that that is the term. And so names that that's that's big because for me, only in the last I would say probably five years have I started to use the way my mother has pronounced my name, the way my family pronounces my name, which is Kunchen. Mm. And uh, I have done it with a sense of pride, whereas before the anglicized version is Kanchen. I honestly, I respond to both. The difference is me. I now say my name is pronounced Kanchen, rhymes with luncheon, in case you're wanting to know. And, <laughs> and that, was, that was a really big thing that, um, so my husband is not South Asian, uh, and he's pronounced my name Kanchen, and that's when I realized, you know what, it's not that it's hard, I have projected that on. So I need to be able to start claiming the actual pronunciation of my name. And so for the last, I would say a few years, uh, years, definitely years, uh, that I've um, really started to own it, own the name that my mother, my grandparents, my lineage has really uh, wanted it to be. So tell me, like we're talking, you know, uh, we get technical as we talk about semantics and pronunciation and lots of different things. And I think, um, you know, in kind of thinking about this, like I'm thinking I have a very, you know, English name, so I've never had that issue. And uh, now, you know, it's, it, there's a sensitivity that, you know, even myself as your friend, uh, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I've, I've been kind of doing this not so right <laughs> for a long time. Um, so there's an awareness. And you shared with one of our friends that um, women of culture or, you know, a diversity sometimes will, I'm going to use the word, give everybody a hall pass 
to say, oh, that's all right. And to really kind of, um, to be an ally, and we'll talk a little bit about allyship, um, I'm sure today. Um, it's about when someone says that to to say to them, no, no, it's it's something that I really want to make an effort with. And that's been, the I would say, the shift that we're experiencing now with a lot more of our knowledge um, in being culturally diverse. I, I agree. One is the knowledge. The other is... Uh, because of our heightened awareness, and I would actually say that's actually only been two years since George Floyd's murder, have people started to unpack their own journeys. So mm -hmm. even though I may have started using it earlier than that, it it's still the awareness in our society that, oh, I have to ask the question, or I want to ask the question is a, right. is a more generative approach to it. And, and so it makes it safer for me to go, well, no, actually it's, it's this because, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I think it's in, names are a simple example of, I mean, even when I think about women of culture, I mean, even changing that title from women of culture, uh, color, uh, mm -hmm. women of culture brings in all of what you and I've just talked about, which is when I think about who I am, it's, you know, all of who I am, um, that makes me unique. It is my culture. It is my heritage. It's my thoughts, my values, my traditions. Mm -hmm. It's the lens that I look at as I show up in the world. And it is unique and it has me on the outside. I don't, it's not part of the dominant culture. The culture that I grew up with is not part of it. So, so then I look at, okay, how am I, you know, which is my name, let's, let's bring that back again, right. it's my name and how I pronounce it, how I'm asking others to pronounce it. And quite frankly, some, some it's uh, easy to do, others not so much. I, mm -hmm. you know, your tongue may not roll with that, it may <laughs> not, you know, uh, so it's a little bit harder and, and, and that's okay. I'm, uh, I feel safer to be able to bring it forward now, for sure. It's not interesting, right? So it's the same thing with myself, right? Like, um, you know, I had an English name because my mom's oldest sister liked the name Roxanne um, and my middle name is Jasmine. And mm -hmm. I would get, and so listen to this, <laughs> interesting, right? People go, oh, I love that name, Jasmine. And I'm like, oh, I hate, I've hated that name all my life. And everybody's like, but it's so unique. It's so kind of, you know, with Aladdin. And I'm like, I still hate that name, you know, because it got popularized because of that Disney movie, but it was never something, a name that I just didn't like um, just because as a child, I just didn't like the name, but it's again, something small. But I think what I hear you saying is that now that we have more knowledge, um, it's just being aware um, to say to someone and, you know, can you help me understand how you pronounce that? Um, and it, and we're talking uh, different cultures, but it could be um, like a German name, like, uh, or something like that, that we're not aware of how to, how to enunciate accordingly. And we're not going to get it all right. Other than we, you know, the fact that you're trying, I think that's important. So thanks for uh, spending that time just, you know, talking about, you know, this little thing, but I think sometimes little things mean a lot as we kind of uh, talk about awareness. So tell yeah, us about you. you. Tell, sorry, go ahead, Kanchan. You were going to say no, something. Well, I was going to say what, what it leads into is the first thing that we need to do as women of culture to, to um, live authentically, which is really start to get to know what is our heritage. 
Yeah. We, we taking the time to look at, and I always turn back because I think of the lineage that is behind mm-hmm. me that has gotten where I am. So for me to start to ask the questions and get clear on what is my culture, that's on us. So to live mm-hmm. authentically means we need to be seated in it. Now, I'm not talking first, second, third generation Canadians where it's, you know, we, we're all Canadian uh, and it's okay. And where's our ethnicity from and understanding that enough. And trust me, your parents will love it. Your grandparents will love it. <laughs> Whoever it is, they want to be able to sort of draw out what, what that is um, for us. So it, it just sort of, as, as I think about living authentically, that's one of the first steps we need to do. So what's your, what's your, what's your legacy story? And I, I talk about a lot about leadership story and, you know, in, in, exploring my space for my book, what I really, at that time, you know, what happened for me is as we were writing and Conchin and I are also in the same writing group. Um, I was, uh, one of my cousins sent me a six part YouTube series on indentured laborers from Trinidad and Tobago. So as I'm writing, it was kind of at the same time. And these clips were done by the university of the West Indies. And, um, you know, and I looked at it and it impacted me because I recognized that my goodness, that's part of my culture. I didn't, um, you know, see it from that frame, but I, you know, I grew up around cane fields, but my thing as a child is I was, you know, running around playing hide and go seek. Um, and, and for any Trinidadians listening, we would catch little fish that would call web beans. And, you know, we would, you know, that's what, how we played. But when I started as an adult looking at that, I looked at the reality of the heritage and what it took and what that meant to me and the work ethic and the survivability that my ancestors, my great grandparents had to go through to come to the island and then be able to meld and, and, you know, create a life, um, you know, losing their culture, some of them losing language, some of them having to bring certain things to with them on that ship. And that's for the people that survived, Conchin, yeah. right? Exactly. So it, it, it's funny how when you say about, you know, what is your heritage, what are your values, and how does that inform you today? So tell us a little bit about your, your path. Like, um, did you start off working with... Um, women of diversity um, in your, as an executive coach was, where did you begin? I I began doing my first career for 26 years in a way that my parents wanted me to. Um, I got into healthcare and I was in leadership positions for 26 years. And I always knew when I had, you know, that the way that I could support leadership, leadership is my passion, making sure that we have strong leadership and which takes me down the path of the underrepresented, the most underrepresented are women of culture, women of color is what the statistics say. Mm-hmm. We've got 4% uh, senior you know, in the C-suite, 4% representation for women of color compared to 60%, 60 plus percent uh, of white male. And it goes down white, um, sorry, men of color, are at about nine percent. That's that's the statistics from last year. So when I when I turn around and I and I look at that, it's like there's underrepresentation. My focus as an executive coach and uh, with my company is elevating women of color today, uh, women of culture uh, today. And the biggest piece of that is because beyond underrepresentation, they are the best kept secret. 
they are they feel that the organizations start to see that so yes there is more attention to bringing people into organizations big corporations and uh, that are of um, you know people of culture they're they're bringing them in the question is how do we keep them in the organizations and that's been where i spend a lot of time with executives um, both the leaders of and uh, women of culture uh, to make sure that there is a deeper understanding of what is the reality. So especially when we think about, you know, living authentically, there is one aspect of that, which is all around for the women of culture. Uh, and I'm just going to leap into it. Yes, we need to understand our heritage. We need to understand our own heritage. Why? Because we spend a lot of time trying to fit in, trying to cover. I did. Mm -hmm. For 26 years, I did. I was in a leadership position. Well, what does professional look like? Well, professional looks like whatever the systemic structures are in place in that organization. Mm -hmm. Well, those systemic structures are set in place with the senior leaders, which predominantly happen to be uh, white male. Mm -hmm. um, those structures set in place get me back to the point of, yes, I'm going to cover. I'm going to fit in. Mm. And hopes to belong, not realizing that my push to fit in, which is to adapt to who I am, how I am, how I show up, actually stops me from belonging. Now, belonging is different from fitting in. You and I have talked about this before, Roxanne, but fitting in is I'm, I'm hoping I can get in and, and blend and, and do everything else. Whereas belonging is that I am accepted for who I am. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't even got to belonging because I am way too busy making sure I bring a sandwich and not any Indian food to lunch, um, make sure that I am suited and booted in a way that's so professional so nobody questions that who I am or what role I may have. I mean, there's different ways of, of covering uh, in terms of getting into the workspace. So leading authentically as a woman of culture means that we have to, first of all, know what our heritage and culture is so we can start to pause and realize what do I do all the time to make sure that I am not bigger than I am trying to, to blend in, uh, not really, I want to stand out, I want the next promotion because I am ambitious, but how, I'm not sure how to do that because I'm always a little bit on the outside. Absolutely. And you know, it's, I'm going I'm to tell you a childhood story and any, for anybody that's listening from Trinidad, so Trinidad is about 51% African-American, say, say 48% um, uh, East Asian descent, and maybe 1% other, right? And I went to a high school and the Indian children would bring, you know, roti and, you know, talcaries with basically a way, and I, I don't know if this is the same term with what you use, but uh, vegetables and stuff like that. I remember, you know, my mom didn't do that, but some of the moms that did it, which now in retrospect, I think, oh my goodness, the work that it took, they hit it. Yeah. And I, and now I look back and I'm thinking, I was also complicit because my mother wasn't doing that in the morning, but the kids where that grew up in those homes where the parents or the mother generally was doing that the first thing in the morning, that's a lot of laboring. And now I look at it as a, as a mom, I look at it as a labor of love. But even in that time in Trinidad, there was that hiding. And now I think it would be such 
um, you know, an honor to say, wow, my kid's coming to school with a hot lunch. <laughs> my mom made it first thing in the morning. But it's funny, the nuances, even of the time, even on an island where there is ultimate diversity, there is still that that wanting to fit in. And now it's kind of like, wow, that's that's amazing that that, you know, the frame that we have shifted and that awareness that we're talking about even more so um, in in corporate culture today, yeah. what women um, of culture have to do to accept that space, but also to go into it and say, I am who I am. I want to lead, but I want to lead um, in a space that is right for me. It reminds me of a, of a executive uh, client of mine that I had. She, she, her story was phenomenal in terms of uh, her journey from Africa to uh uh, her small village, she's, you know, KPMG, even there, comes to Canada, husband, small child, gets scooped up by one of the banks here as one of uh, the interns. She did her master's. She's got no support at this point. Comes in and she said she spent literally the first three years making sure her hair was flat ironed. She would, you know, uh, mm. you know, just a lot of effort, you know, the suits, buying clothes. She said, I couldn't even really afford. Mm -hmm. She was before I go into a meeting, knowing that I had to just do that one extra hair because it was starting to curl up. And she goes, the amount of effort that I take. And I realized that, you know what? I'm exhausted. And, and I'm already doubling up on the work that I'm doing. So I look like I've got the competence to do. I am exhausted. And I don't know where to go from here. I don't know the handbook was the comment she made to mm -hmm. get to the next level because, and it's like, right, we're spending so much of our energy in spaces thinking that we are trying to, we're doing the right things to fit in. Where in essence, what we need to be doing is really getting clear what is our value, assessing what our value is. Mm -hmm. and, and then making sure that you not only know it, but you start to articulate it. That's, that is just so critical because we've lost perspective of getting clear on what our value is. And we're so focused outwardly on how we think things need to be. You know, it's interesting because I, I was in corporate for about 15 years as well. And I so understand you know, that story you're telling because, you you know, you, like you said, fitting in, you want to produce, you don't want to stick out and all those things. Now there is a shift to say, and we recognize that the bottom line is impacted by diversity of thought, value, decision-making, and you get a compilation of diverse age stage, um, uh, culture, um, perspective, small, big, you know, and then it's like the perfect soup. That, that is now being recognized in the workplace. Right. I would say that when I was in corporate, you know, back in, say, 1995 um, or so, there wasn't that, if there was knowledge, it wasn't openly discussed. But today, with a lot of companies, they recognize that they're looking, not just diversity, uh, say, for instance, in culture, but um, neurodiversity is a big thing, um, you know, where we're recognizing, you know, if someone's on the spectrum, you know, they are going to bring such breath. Whereas I had never heard that dialogue previously, right? It was like, if you were on the spectrum, it was like, oh boy, you know, how are you going to get a job and, and do something, in, in, you know, especially in a, in a leadership position. And now we're looking at people's differences as strengths. Um, I'm sure you can tell, tell me where we are in the workplace now in reference to diversity with understanding um, the openness that 
I've, I, I, at least I think I'm seeing out there with companies. 100% you're seeing it out there and companies know it. Companies, there is research that shows companies produce bottom line dollars and cents 35% better mm. by having diversity at the table, diversity of thought, diversity of experience. So you have different perspectives. 35% conscious? 30, this is wow. on a table. You're leaving it on the table if you don't even look at this. So it is, it is substantial and there is awareness to it. There's heightened awareness to it. Um, and, and it is because guess what? We, we need creativity. We need um, a, a company, an organization that looks like our client base. That's the other piece of it. Also, when you have more people that look like you uh, can interact with you, you're uh, enjoyment level, your creativity increases. There's a variety of reasons why that 35% is there. Mm -hmm. And you're 100% right. It is absolutely coming to the table for a reason. And with globalization and the fact here in Canada, you know, I know our um, level of people having children have dropped. And, you know, so you're getting a lot of more diversity. When I came to Canada, you know, and I'm, I'm going to date myself, um, back in 1983, uh, I went to Mississauga. There was not that much diversity, okay? Now, I live in Niagara. I go to, I go to Mississauga now, and I'm like, this is not the same city that I came into, right? It's completely different where most people are um, of color, Right. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is such a flip even from where I live because I live in a very homogeneous little town. So I think the shift has happened. And now the numbers and the metrics, accordingly, from what you're saying, 35 percent um, is showing. But in leadership positions, let's get back to leadership. Men, who you're saying 9 percent, women, 4 percent, that's substantively low to 60 percent within companies. So where Absolutely. are we at in reference to? Well, one thing to know the 35%, how, what are you seeing in companies? Is it that uh, there is tracks to increase that 4% number with women of, of culture? There, there definitely is. There is awareness to it. So one is awareness. The other is attention to. So we as women of culture, people of culture, men or women, we don't need mentors. We need sponsors. Okay. So, What's happening is that the lens on how do we get more uh, diversity higher up into higher positions, there's a spotlight on it a lot more now. Uh, mm -hmm. And I hear that, that that's uh, through conversations with executives that, you know, so there, there is a lot of understanding in terms of there is a benefit to having this. So the mm -hmm. spotlight, meaning there is a more attention to sponsorship and there can be leaps and heaps more of it. Um, because it's a sponsorship that's going to get you, pull you through the organization. And, and so let's, let's explain sponsorship because I, I, you know, I know what it is. And I, I know, obviously you live in that world. Explain to the average person what sponsorship means to be able to kind of, um, kind of, you know, get yeah. up the ranks to get to the different levels of the, of the, of the company. So let me, let me tell you the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. So sure. Mentorship is someone that is in your business, knows a little bit more and help to guide you, mentoring you into what they know and how they are able mm -hmm. to um, help you increase your abilities. Sponsorship is someone that is in a senior position 
that mm-hmm. is there and invested in your growth in the organization. So what does that mean? That if you have something going on and you need to, um, you know, you, this person will pick up that call within five minutes to go, mm-hmm. yes, I'm here to support you. What's going on? What, what's the questions you have? And yes, here's, here's something you need to be uh, aware of. But more importantly, they are sharing your name in the rooms that have closed doors. Those are the important things that when your when your name needs to be brought up when it when we're looking at um, at you know who do we want to be leveling up who do we want to be promoting your name needs to come to the table your sponsor brings that to the table. So let's talk about how do you get a sponsor? Like you know you're a young female, um, you you've got the you know you've got the degrees that are necessary for the position to climb the ranks within the company. What are some of the things, first of all, that you need to consider within the company and how is it, what qualities are you looking for in a sponsor and how do you approach That's three questions in one conscience. So <laughs> break them up and see if you can answer a bit, if, you know, if not most of it. So one of the, 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 the key things about getting a sponsor is that you are totally focused on building relationship. So you can't go up to a senior leader and go, will you sponsor me? They need to know who you are. They're using their social capital on you. So we need to be sure that we are having those conversations with these potential sponsors. And it may start out as a mentorship conversation. It may start out as a as, as frequent uh, connection points that you are one. And to do those frequent connections, how do you get a sponsor? You build relationship. You come to the table, you come to the coffee with not only a question of them, but a sharing of you, period. You come research, mm-hmm. you come prepared, you go in. Every conversation is valuable to them. They're, they're invested as well. I mean, senior leaders in organizations, one of their key roles is to develop talent. So they are interested in being at that table. It's not a, you know, a, a lot of times we can weaponize gratitude. Oh my God, I'm so thankful to be here. This is so good. Thank you. And it's like, no, no, we need to show up with what do we know? What's happening in our world? What's happening in these last three months for you? Uh, or whenever the frequency of meeting is from our last meeting. So getting a sponsor means having relationships, building the relationships. No one cares for your career like you do. So Absolutely. But, you know, I, I listen to you and I think about culturally, right? Like, how does this, I have to develop the skill somehow because I don't want to come across as I'm bravado and I, you know, I'm, you know, looking at climbing. Some culture says, you know, you actually do that in a different way. So I could see how, you know, having some coaching like with, with someone like yourself would be important because, you know, how is it that I know I'm not overdoing it? How is it that I know what to educate myself on? And how do I approach the sponsor, which is could be intimidating as well, <laughs> you know, and if you do get a no, how is it that you kind of yeah, synthesize that in a way that says, oh, well, that one didn't work, but how, what can I learn from it and those types of things? So I'm going to start backwards with what you just said. You get a no, don't take it personal. Mm. Who knows what else? That's huge. huge. Right. You are not broken. Don't take it personal two big things that we we have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree with you. A lot of the the time that I spend as an executive coach is 
helping create an environment to have those conversations around, you actually don't need permission for X. You don't need that your cultural upbringing, how does that marry up to the one that we're in when it comes down to a work environment? Mm-hmm. And, and what I, it's being attentive to it, it's still as a woman of culture or as a person of culture, we still need to know what our value is. I mean, one of, one of our biggest uh, superpowers as people of culture is resiliency. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Through the pandemic, we have needed resiliency up the yin yang. That's probably not the most professional <laughs> phrase. <in that>. But <laughs> we have needed resiliency. We are, this is a massive mm-hmm. impact to an organization. They need leaders that understand resiliency and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, so there, so there's the piece around how do we come into that. Um, uh, leaning into what our strengths are as a person of culture and also where has our culture, where does it sort of clash, go counter to uh, what the organizational culture is? So yeah, that's, that's such a, that's a, such a par- powerful parallel when I think of it, you know, and I go back again and I think of, again, my, my background, my dad told me a story. I got to tell you this story, Conscience. it was the, you know, there's something about being in your 80s and my dad's going to be 86, right? So I said, so I said, daddy, like, you know, I knew I met him. Of course, when I came, I knew anything about um, work. He was already an executive. So I didn't see the early beginnings. And he said to me, there was a point, his family was so poor, Conchin, that he rode a bicycle to work. And I'm like, what? I said, dad, how come? He said, I didn't want that legacy to be passed on to you and your your siblings because I had to go through that, but I ensured that the future generations wouldn't have to do something like that. And I said, Daddy, that is so important. That would have been so important, I'm saying it now as an adult, but as a teenager to have understood that because there was a an entitlement that came from the privilege that I was born into, but I didn't see the backstory. So that powerfulness, like that resilience, like you're talking about. Now I get some of why, you know, my background and who I am that I would not have gotten before. Exactly. Exact. Uh, perseverance. Your father just showed a degree of perseverance to mm-hmm. clear his mind to know where he wants to be. What's he doing? And he'll do it. Like it's it's a really it's just a really powerful. Uh, piece when we start reflecting back on what is lineage, what what is what are the lessons we've been taught, and and right. what is the value that we have when we when we step into our workspaces, and that diversity again going back to that diversity of experience of thought of age, um, you know all that stuff, and I just think of it that and going back to that that thirty five percent, it makes a lot of sense. Now. What I'm wondering is how well are we doing in the workplace with um, with what, what you're with the coaching that you're doing now? Like we're talking about the four percent specifically with women, um, and I know women massively left the workplace. Yes, over the pandemic. Absolutely. So what what did that kind of mirror um, women of culture and executive positions? Would did they equally leave um, corporate? at that level as well? Um, So people of culture um, were hit hardest 
um, the research, McKinsey's research from COVID uh, really spoke to that, yes, women, there was a massive exodus when it came down to the impact of pandemic and where we are as women leaders and getting our numbers up to have equal, you know, a little bit of uh, representation, a little bit more representation, that, that the numbers, the exodus is almost setting us back 50 years of representation within 50 uh, years within organizations because of the you know the the, the burnout the you know it, the the numbers are horrific and the numbers are even more horrific for black leaders um mm. black women leaders and it's because of and again yes this is a uh, mckinsey study is done in the u.s the the the, the impact the hardships the uh, the impact to family when we all talked about you know the, and, and the disparity of of, of health care the many many factors that layered onto the burnout and the and the underrepresentation so we are setting ourselves backward when it comes down to uh, from the pandemic um, what am I seeing the other thing that I am seeing that I had not seen is women executives asking for a woman of color executive coach. I've mm -hmm. never seen it so blatantly asked for where um, a company, and, and when I speak to them, I said, how do you, like, how did you come to this point? Like, how did you go, mm -hmm. no, no, I am going to ask my company for a, a woman that looks like me, that is in this space and speaks like this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're just, yeah, like, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I, I need support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting. That's been a shift that I have never seen before. Um, that I have in this past two years. So I have one. I know you and I can probably talk for extended periods, but I want one last um, nuance. I want to talk about if I am, um, you know, leading, and I'm not a um, a senior leader that's of color. Um, how we've talked a lot about, you know, allyship and sponsorship, those types of things. What if I am, um, a woman of culture and I am leading a team with diversity? Is there some things that we maybe need to kind of look at there or some things that you can share with us about that? So the, the piece that I see, because those are the executives that I, that I end up working with, so women of culture uh, that are leading large teams. Um, and what I'm aware of is, and it's not just women of culture, women in general hold the um, attention to diversity more than anyone else mm -hmm. uh, from a leadership perspective. So they are the ones that are championing uh, diversity. Uh, off the side of their desk, I might add. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing, but being a woman of culture, one of the things that I have seen is that their awareness to their journey mm. heightens how they end up working with their teams. So when I'm coaching, when we're, we're, we're doing our coaching, you know, we, we unpack a lot of this and it's mm -hmm. like, yes, I'm very sensitive to, um, I had a, an executive that um, left the organization and they were going to be coming back in and some senior leadership said, well, they already left the organization. Do we really want them back in? And she's like, well, no, they 
came back with a tremendous, like, so she came with a completely different perspective of mm -hmm. what needed to happen, that this was the white person coming with a diversity of experience now that we want to have them come back in again. And, and so it's like, right, there's, there's that, so the, the, the benefit that I have seen with mm -hmm. a lot of the women of culture leaders is that they have got the, the space and grace to really reflect on what's needed. I like that space and grace because obviously women are known to be um, more aligned or have the affinity to, to transformational elements to leadership. And then you, you're layering on the elements like we talked about resilience and uh, path and culture and values, beliefs, assumptions, all those things. And then, you, you know, that's quite the combination of things that you're, you're kind of putting all together. Yeah. Akanshan, for um, women listening, um, any last tips that you have for them? Let's say they're saying, um, I'm not sure I've never, I've never approached, uh, people. What kind of things might they want? What a couple of little tips for you that you to give people that are listening that might want, um, to kind of, um, deal with that, with diversity in their environment, but they're feeling like, you know, it's not, women aren't taken seriously. Um, just so I'm clear, so this is coming from a woman's, uh, the leader's perspective or from the women of culture leader's perspective? Women of culture's leader's perspective. So if they're feeling they're not being taken seriously, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, there may be a reason for it. So unpack what's true and what's not true. <laughs> so, okay, look at the objective frame and, and make sure that you're, you know, looking at what the, what is real and what is subjective and maybe what, what might be blocking you. Okay, that's a good point. So, so and so there, there's that. Also, part of finding out what's real, find out, like, what is happening? For, like, what is your brand? Mm -hmm. Ask three leaders, what are the first three words that come up for you when you think of me? and get clarity on that and as well while they're doing that exercise you turn around and and, and jot down what are the three words i hope to be represented as hmm. is there a big disparity against that okay keep keep learning keep learning keep learning self-awareness is is absolutely mm -hmm. key um yes. take time I, I a lot of women of culture we don't invest invest a lot in ourselves we just i i'll speak for myself i never did Mm -hmm. the, um, I have two coaches. I have two coaches that I have, uh, and I have a large community that I work with because development and, and continuing to grow is, is going to make the difference in how I show up. Um, uh, so I would say those are the two things that, that are within your control today as to how you want to uh, sh start to start to make the connections for yourself as you move forward in a strategic plan for your career. I love it. Looking at the disparity, right? Because it's so hard for us to see ourselves objectively. We may not recognize some of those blockages, right? Those blind spots. You know, what are the three qualities that you think you have? What is, is it that, like you said, three leaders are seeing? And then kind of, is there a big disparity? And what steps, if there are some disparities, to, to enhance those based on the level that I'm trying to achieve within the organization. Now, I um, have learned so much today, my, um, you know, in, in my space, <clears throat> just talking to you with the kind of work that you do. For others that are out there 
and they're thinking, you know, I'd like to have a chat or I'd like to, you know, explore some of the things that you've talked about, whether it's allyship or sponsorship or having a woman of a culture executive coach. Why don't you tell people where they can reach you so that they can reach out and uh, connect? LinkedIn is great. Reach out on LinkedIn, uh, Kanchen Prinsloo. Uh, the spelling is down there. Uh, but reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, also, if you want to reach out on my uh, website, which my company is Capri Consulting. Uh, starts with a K, uh, uh, but it's Capri. LinkedIn's the easiest, I believe. Well, thank you so much. So what am I walking away with? You know, I talk about authenticity and, uh, you know, in reflecting and, you know, listening to, to Conchin and what she does, it makes me realize how much of what I do is based on um, my value and even telling you that little story about my dad. And for people out there, you know, um, whether you're you're just someone that's, you know, a woman of a culture leader, or just someone that's trying to understand what is the frame that I'm coming forward with? How authentic am I being? Um, reflect on that and, you know, ask the questions to, to Kanchan's point. What do I think I, how am I viewed and how am I really looking at myself and try to um, kind of, you know, figure out the disparity between those and think, you know, what, what skills do I have? <laughs> what skills do I need to accentuate and what skills do I not have? And maybe areas that I may be a bit more sensitive in that I need to work through. So um, what I'd like to um, invite you to do is to, as you can see at the bottom of my picture, there is roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz. What you can do is if you just want to know how authentic am I being at work, or at home, there's also the option. There's a quick quiz. You, you go on and uh, it doesn't take too long. We pop, we pop some uh, information and we send a report back to you. So you can, um, if you have the time, it's not that long, uh, go on and, and try that. Again, Conchin, thanks so much. This has been a great um, topic, something that I know we will continually uh, continue to explore. Conchin has also um, given me the privilege of attending a Forbes Executive Women's Council where we discussed this um, at length. And I, I could tell you that for sure, that is something um, that in corporate environments, we are continually, continually exploring. And I'm sure uh, a lot will um, get enhanced as, as things go. So again, thanks again, everyone. Thanks so much. And um, looking forward to any additional questions, please reach out to Conscient. All the information about her will be in the show notes. Again, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.